Father in heaven, thank you for this time and your holy word. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, sinners may be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, where they may find pardon and forgiveness for all trespasses, and where they may freely receive everlasting life. We pray also that believers, those who have been washed in the blood of Christ, would be made strong now. We may, may we, as Cornerstone Church, may we be made into more, even more, of a body of servants in the kingdom of God. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So again, there's the sermon title, Church is for Serving. Church is for Serving. Paul describes church with his great metaphor, 1 Corinthians 12. It's the body of Christ. Every member is needed. Every part does its share. And that, of course, is a divinely inspired description of the church, the body of Christ. Here's a very uninspired one, but my mind often goes this way. When I think of our church, I'd like to see it be like a busy beehive. You've been around a beehive? Are there any slacker bees in the beehive? I don't think so. I think every bee's got his job. They're all doing their job. They're all busy. They're going out, bringing in the nectar. They're bringing in the honey. We're bringing in the sheaves. We're bringing in the souls. We're bringing in the people who need to know Christ. And then they're building up the local home there. Every bee's doing their share. It's a busy beehive. And, and I think of the church as being like that. I'd like to see Cornerstone be the body of Christ and be like a busy beehive. So what that means is, Here's the bottom line in the whole sermon. If you want to, you can go home right after this, but please don't. So here, here's what it's all about. We need you to serve. And the more than we need, and the Lord Jesus intends you to serve on the planet. I know there are various ways out there one can serve. My wife serves every Monday. Well, she didn't this past Monday, but she serves every Monday at a crisis pregnancy center. She's there for five, six hours every Monday. I enjoy seeing her when she gets back home. I know there are ways to serve out there. Bless you all who are serving out there. A lot of you are serving out there and in here. And we need as many of you as we can to be serving in here. That's some of what this message is about. But it's not just about us and Cornerstone. It's about you and Christ because he wants you to serve. So what I'm giving you today is things to motivate you to serve and to serve faithfully and to serve energetically, to serve with joy and to serve hard. So what, what's first? What can motivate us? Well, we serve, number one, because we have examples who incline us to serve. Lots of them. In Scripture, there are lots of examples of people serving or not serving. We're not going to look at them all, but there's four of them. We're going to look at them briefly, and then there's more today. We're going to look at those four in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, so I want to show them to you. And the first one, of course, is our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at how he's described, Philippians 2, starting in verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. Now, why would Paul write that? Well, because we humans are prone to look out only for our own interests. Very common to natural fallen man, to humanity. And so Paul says, I want you all to be different. Don't be like that. Don't be the way you were. Don't be the way you're born. You're being renewed. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. So think of that when you come to be part of Cornerstone Community Church. Is it for your interests? Well, I'm glad there's a church there for me. I'm glad all those people provide all those things for me. I'm glad people are downstairs for my children. I'm glad we have this ministry for me. I'm glad the worship band's there for me. Is it all about me? 
No, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Oh, I'm here for them. You're here for them. Think about going to church for them. I know, we all know, there are things you want to benefit from, that's why, but also there's them. And then he tells us, here's how I want you to think about this. Here's the mind I want you to have. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, in the now Christ example, what was his mind? Who, though he was in the form of God, the form is the Greek word morphe, it just basically means though he was God. So if anybody could ever say, what, me, serve them? I'm not serving them. They serve me. I'm God. He could have said that. But he being the infinite God-man, God the second person, Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, he did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't say, oh, no, I can't go down to sinners. I'm God. I'm grasping at my throne. I'm grasping at my glory. I'm grasping at my high position. No, he didn't say that. But instead, emptied himself, that's what we need to do, by taking the form of a servant. Jesus Christ, God the second person, holy God, God of gods and Lord of lords, took the place, took the form of a servant. He was in the form of God, but he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And everything he ever did was serving. And when he died on the cross as our Savior and God, he was certainly, he was serving. He was giving his life a ransom for many, amen? So Paul's saying, so be like Christ. We want to be like Christ. Here's a good way to be like Christ. I want to serve because Christ served. I want to be like Christ. In fact, Christ's service was so characteristic of him and his life. Mark describes him in this way, Mark 10, 45, here it is. For even, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for men. Even he, if he, how much more we, how much more you, how much more me. We want to serve because we want to be like Christ. So the first example, there's four of them. We're going to see them quickly and then a little more, some other things. But in Philippians 2, there's four examples. First one is Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. I hope that resonates with you very deeply, especially if it really needs to. I hope right now in in your soul you're saying, yes, Lord, give me that. I want more of that. Make me that way. Lord, I haven't been that way. Please change me. Turn me. Have me. I'm a living sacrifice. I commit myself to you. So we serve because we have examples. The first one is Jesus Christ in Philippians 2. The second one is the Apostle Paul. We want to follow Paul as he follows Christ. What do we see about Paul? Philippians 2.17. Paul's in a Roman prison. And he writes back to them down in Philippi and says, even if I am there in that Roman prison, to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. What does that mean to be poured out as a drink offering? Well, you'll know perhaps that in the Old Testament, there were various kinds of offerings that the Israeli people would offer up to God. Commonly, it was an animal of one kind or another, but there was also this thing called a drink offering. And you took some wine, and that wine could have been used to, you know, 
provide for friends and family, but instead you're sacrificing it. You're giving it to God. And it was a drink offering that was poured out, I believe, around the altar or near the altar. It was just, there's your wine and we're pouring it out. You're giving it to God. And Paul picks up that imagery and says, even if that's what's happening to me right now, even if me being in this Roman prison, if I'm just being poured out for the sacrifice and service of your faith, if my life being poured out will help you all, if it'll help more people come to Christ, and if it'll help you grow in Jesus Christ, then pour me out. He says, I'm, I'm, I'd be glad for that, and I would rejoice with you all. Learn from the Apostle Paul. Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. Can you truly say to the Lord, Lord, pour me out as a drink offering if you want on the sacrifice and service of their faith. Lord, use me in any way you want just so others can come to Christ and others can know Christ. Use me, Lord. I'm part of your kingdom. Use me. We learn from the Apostle Paul. The third example tucked into Philippians 2, we learn from Timothy who followed Paul as Paul followed Christ. And here's what we read about Timothy. This is astounding. Check out Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you down in Philippi soon. So Timothy's with Paul in Rome. I want to send him down to see you all so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. Wow, where's Paul? He's in Rome. Is there a church in Rome? There's a big church in Rome. And Paul's there and he says, but out of that whole church, I don't have anybody like Timothy. So Timothy's the best. He's the goat, the greatest of all time in the church in Rome in that time. Timothy is like, he's like the, the best guy. I have no one like him. It's kind of sad. Really? What distinguishes him? What makes him rise head and shoulders above the other? What are the characteristics of him that are so noteworthy? Read on. Who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Man, Paul just threw the whole Roman church under the bus. He uses the word genuinely. It makes it look like, oh, they would all claim to be concerned for your welfare. But, but in reality, they're just serving themselves, their needs, me, my, I, my family, my interests, my kingdom. My... But I got Timothy. He is genuinely concerned for your welfare. Back to the other people. What's wrong with all of them? For they all seek their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. Now, it's all right to seek your own interests under those of Jesus Christ. I think it is in your interest, many of you, to go to work tomorrow morning, right? You're expecting to. It's okay to go to work tomorrow. Uh, it's, some of you, you probably need to do the dishes this afternoon. Didn't do them last night, didn't do them this morning. They're piling up, you've got to do the dishes. It's okay to pursue your own interests and do the dishes. Nothing wrong with that. But when you pursue your own interests exclusively, to the exclusion of those of the kingdom of God, to the exclusion of those of Jesus Christ, that's not healthy. By contrast, back to Timothy. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. Wow. Lord, make me in some small way like Timothy, who's being like Paul, who's following Christ. Lord, may that mind be in me that was in them. But there's a fourth example in Philippians 2. It's the guy Epaphroditus, 
Don't, hey, go back a slide for a second, would you? Who can spell Epaphroditus? All right, show them. Here's how you spell Epaphroditus. It'll be on the quiz. Blank sheet of paper before you go home. Let's read about Epaphroditus. Fourth guy who's a servant, Philippians 2.25. Paul's in Rome there in Philippi. He says, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. I love those three descriptions. He's my brother. We got heart stuff going on. But also, he's my fellow worker. He's a worker. And he's a fellow soldier in the kingdom of God in the church of Jesus Christ. And he's your messenger. You sent him up to me here in Rome. And your minister, your servant to my need. He came to serve the apostle Paul all the way from Philippi. And then there's more about him. It says, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. I wonder if there's anybody in the room who can say in truth, I nearly died for the work of Christ. Maybe you just didn't have opportunity, and maybe you would have taken the opportunity. But most of us have never even had to say that, have we? But this guy, he nearly died for the work of Christ. How? Risking his life. So there was calculated risk to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So the, apparently, here's the best we can figure out, the trip from Philippi to Rome was fraught with danger, And he said, I don't care, send me. I'll face the danger. I want to go serve Paul. I want to minister to him. I want to take news and supplies from my church to him. I want to represent my church. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And he risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And backing up, so receive him in the Lord with joy and honor such men. Honor shouldn't honor anybody but Jesus Christ. No, no. Paul says honor such people, people who self-denyingly give themselves for the progress of the kingdom of God. Honor those people. And Paul honors Epaphroditus right here in the text of Scripture. Are you an Epaphroditus? Would you serve even if it's risking your life? So we're motivated by examples. We're motivated to serve in the kingdom of God like those People in Nehemiah's days served when they were building the temple. But there are other motivations. Let me give you a second one now. It is because we serve because pastors are to equip us to serve. What are pastors for? I'm sure none of you were sitting awake last night pondering that, were you? You weren't losing sleep. Like, I just can't sleep. i got to figure out what are pastors for. Well, we're going to look at a verse that's going to tell you what pastors for, and it's probably not what you think. Here's what it is. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he, the resurrected, ascended, enthroned Christ there at the right hand of the Father. He gave apostles to his church. He gave the prophets to his church. He gave the evangelists to his church. He gave shepherds or pastors and teachers to his church. What for? What are they to do? It does not say to do the work of the ministry while you all watch, while you cheer them on. Very good. That was a seven, Pastor Steve. Thank you for a seven. That's acceptable. No, that's not what they do. Read the text. He gave them to equip the saints. That's y'all. If you're in Christ, you're a saint. You're holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight of God because you're washed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. And so the pastors are to equip y'all, the saints, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. All right, take out a blank sheet of paper. I know it's the second week in a row I did that. I'll stop it, all right? But, but take out a blank sheet of paper. What are pastors for? Write it down. 
They're doing the work of the ministry. No, no, no. It's not what the text says. They are. But they're to equip you to do the work. We're more like coaches. You are the team. You're the players out on the field. We're, we're helping you get prepared for that. We got you in the weight room working out. We got you on a good diet and so on and so forth. We have you getting good sleep. We're to equip you for the service of the body of Christ and the building it up. That's why we're to serve because that's pastor's job is to equip us to serve. Here's the third reason why we would want to serve because God has gifted and commanded us to serve. Uh Uh-oh, he used the word commanded. It gets a little stronger there. Yes, he has. He has gifted us and commanded us to serve. Three passages about that one because they're all important. Romans 12, 1 through 8, one of the Bible's premier gift passages. Romans 12, Paul starts off with a general call to dedication. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. There's what he wants you to do. God has given you a gift. They differ according to the grace given to us. We need every member of the body of Christ. All the gifts are important. Everyone needs to be contributing. God has gifted you for a specific function in this right here body of Christ. Having gifts Let us use them. Then he gives examples. Well, what do you mean, Paul? And he says, well, if if your gift is prophecy, then in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, then in serving. If your gift is teaching, then in teaching. If your gift is exhorting people, then in your exhortation. If your gift is financial contribution, then in generosity. The one who leads, do it with zeal. The The one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Every member is both gifted and then commanded, let us use them. So this one's for you. So many of you at Cornerstone are serving, and in so many ways. And some of you serve and serve and serve in multiple ways. Bless you, may your tribe increase. Bless you, may the Lord reward you according to your generosity and your big hearts for the kingdom of God. But God has gifted and commanded all of us to serve. Peter chimes in on this, 1 Peter chapter 4, another one of the Bible's famous best gift passages. Note what Peter says, 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift. All right, each one. So that means everyone in the first row. That means everyone, as long as you're saved, that means everyone in the second row. That means everyone in the third row. That row was easier to count. That means everyone in the fourth row and all the way around the building here. As each one has received a gift. God has given you a gift. What are you supposed to do? Same verb. Use it. Use it to serve one another. Your gift isn't for you. Your gift is for them. You're here for them. And then he adds this, and this puts some weight into the whole thing, as good stewards of the manifold, the many variegated grace of God. So there's a stewardship involved here. God has given me a gift. He's commanded me to use it. I'm a steward responsible to put that gift into play in his kingdom for the building up of the body of Christ. And then Peter gives us two broad examples. He lumps all gifts into two big categories. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Amen. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, what's the end? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Every member is gifted and commanded to serve. 
One more passage on this. Can you take one more? Say yes. Yeah, thank you. Love you guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, another premier gift passage, the longest one in the New Testament. And we read in verse 4 and following. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Now here's the verse I really want. It's verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Greek word just, it's literally for the benefit, meaning for the benefit of others. God has given you gifts to benefit others. God has given you spirit-empowered gifts, God-given supernatural abilities for service in the body of Christ. And God has given everyone who's in Jesus Christ gifts for serving in the body of Christ for the manifestation of the Spirit is given to you for the common good. So why do we want to serve? Well, because we're gifted to serve and commanded by God to serve. So I want to get serving. All right, Lord, speak. You're serving here. I want to serve. Show me where I can serve. Are there any other reasons that would encourage us, motivate us to serve? Well, yeah, here's a, here's a very strong one. Are you ready for a strong one? Can you take one that's really, really strong? Are you going to be all right with this? Okay, here it is, number four, because squandered stewardship of God-given talent is strongly repudiated by our Savior. Now, for this, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 25, where we have the parable of the talents. Let me just rehearse some of the parable for you. You don't want to read it all. Uh, A wealthy man's going away. He's leaving his property in the care of three of his servants. To the one servant, he gives five talents. What's a talent? We don't know exactly, but it was probably some gold or some silver. But it signifies something given to you, and you're supposed to serve the master with it. You're supposed to make increase with it. So he's telling a parable about us serving in the kingdom. But in terms of, I gave them, he gave that one five talents. When he came back, back, that guy had multiplied it. He doubled it. There were now ten talents. Well done. He gave, that, he gave the next guy uh, two talents, came back. There were four talents. Bless you. Well done. He gave that guy one talent, and that guy dug a hole and hid it. He didn't serve. Why? This is really strong. You told me you'd be okay with something strong. Matthew 25, 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, here's why he didn't serve. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Here's what I didn't like about you, Jesus. You reap where you did not sow, and you gather where you scattered no seed. Now, what's he saying? saying, I didn't serve, I didn't multiply the talents because I knew you're going to get all the benefit. And I'm not interested in your benefit. I'm not interested in your kingdom. I'm interested in my kingdom. I don't want to serve you. I want everybody serving me. I'm interested in me, my, and I. He says, I knew you. I knew what kind of man you. You're a hard man. You reap where you. I'm doing all the work and you're getting all the glory. I don't want to do that. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Now, Jesus is going to have really strong words for this, this servant. I just want to tell you, if, if you're if you're used to the idea of Jesus that he's always and only hearts and flowers and unicorns and, you know, whispering sweet nothings into your ear, that's, you're missing some parts of the Bible. Here's where Jesus comes on strong. Verse 26, but his master, that's Jesus, 
answered him, that's the one talent guy who hid it in the ground, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. That's why this guilty guy didn't serve. Because he knew what Jesus just said. And then, here come the strong words, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's the point? The total refusal to serve on the part of the one talent guy his total lack of any interest whatsoever in making better the kingdom of his master. His attitude toward the master, you're a hard man. All of this goes together and indicates what Jesus is saying to him is, you're not born again. You're not saved. You're not a member of my kingdom. Or you would have some level of heart. To, you'd at least say, I only got one talent. He didn't give me a real big gift, but I'm going to use my gift and make it two. But no, instead he was like, oh, I'm not serving him. I got my own interests, my own affairs. Jesus says that's not how a saved person thinks. That's not how a saved person talks. We all want to serve the Lord because we're so grateful he saved us. Amen. Anybody who completely lacks motivation, who completely lacks motivation to serve in the kingdom of God, Better go to the cross. Find out whether you're born again. There's a fifth reason why we should serve, a fifth reason that motivates us to serve. This is probably the highest one. After that last one, we need a nice one. Here comes the nice one. Because love compels us to serve. Amen? What's the first and most important commandment in all God's word? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So you want to serve him for sure. What's the second commandment under it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you really love your neighbor, what do you want to do? It's on the quiz here. Yeah, you really want to serve other people. Paul says it this way in Galatians 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love serve one another one another. May I say it a third time? Through love, serve one another. So I have, I've been saved by the grace of God, and I have brothers and sisters in Christ. Many, most of you are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and he's put it in my heart to want to serve, and he's putting it in your heart to want to serve. I'm to love them and serve. That love compels me. You see, this is about love, it's about loving God and loving his kingdom and loving his people and loving the gospel and loving his word, loving your church. It's about love. This is all about love. We love what we're doing. We love who we're doing it for. We love the people we're doing it with. It's all about love. If it's not about love, it's just a noisy symbol and a clanging gong. Forget it. It doesn't glorify God at all. But it's all about love. Love God and serve him. Love people and serve them. And that's why so many of you are serving. There are men and women right now downstairs serving you by teaching the word of God and the gospel to your sons and your daughters. How cool is that? There are people who, who rehearsed on Wednesday night and got here early today to rehearse this morning so they could lead us in gathered worship, and they did it twice. How cool is that? Why are they doing that? Maybe because they love playing music, but more because they want to serve you and God. 
Why are people serving on various teams? Why, why do we have a team at Hartford Community College? I'd love to see that team increase, but you have to look like you're a college student. Otherwise, you're not supposed to really be there, and we're there. And we're there sharing the gospel, just wandering around using the survey methodology, which is a little tricky, but we use it anyway because it gets the conversations going. And we have people over there, and they're serving. Why do we have the mom's corner? They're serving moms and hoping to reach moms. Why do we have English as a second language? They're loving people who need Christ and teaching them English via the Bible. Why do we have volunteers serving tonight in youth group? It's because, I trust it's because, not just because they got buttonholed, all right, I'll serve. No, it's because they love God and they love people and they love you and they love your kids and they love the kingdom and they want to serve. And there are so many of you who are like that. May your tribe increase. So what have we seen today? Church is for serving. Did you, did you get that theme? Did you notice that's what this was about? Church is for serving. And so to the glory of God and the good of souls, May you, may we, may I, may we all serve. And does anyone say, all right, already, all right, you got me. Uncle, I want to begin serving in the kingdom of God. I want to start serving in Cornerstone. How do I do that? I don't know what to do. Well, you just came to the right place, friend. Let me make it easy. Here's one thing you can do. Just go to our website, and there's a drop-down. I forget what's at the top of it, but under it, one of the choices is serve. Click on serve. It'll take you to a page. Here's all kinds of teams and options and ways you can serve. Form you can fill out. Send it in. I'm interested in that and that and that and that. Go ahead and send that in. We have a big desk out in the lobby. We call it the connections desk. You can go there after the service and connect. And they're friendly people. And you can say, so you're going to be there today, aren't you, Isabel? Bless you, sister. And, and you can connect to Isabel and say, I want to know how I can serve. And she's going to show you on a cool little iPad. Here are options. Here are things that are open right now. Here's how you can sign up here. Here's how you can know more. Or here's another thing you could do. And this is catch all at Cornerstone. If you, if you need to talk to somebody but you don't know who, you just email office at. How many of you know that? Say it with me. Office at, say it again, office at, trying to get it in your memory, office at cornerstonejapa.org. And that goes to Gabby. She is our office manager. And you say, Gabby, I want to serve and I don't know what. And maybe she'll write back and interview you. Well, tell me what are you, what are you interested in? What do you believe your spiritual gifts are? What opportunities have you had in the past? Where would you like to serve? What's your heart into? We want to put square pegs in square holes and fit you into things that make sense for you. So, so, so write to Gabby. And if that doesn't work, in a few minutes we're going to have text a pastor. Go ahead and write a pastor. And we'll try and figure out how you can begin to serve in Cornerstone. I know many of you serve outside. Bless you for that too. That matters. That's the kingdom. But this is also the kingdom. So let's be a busy beehive. Let's be the body of Christ. What kind of church do we want to be? Part of what I'm doing in this series is we're seeking to shape us we're seeking to align us as a church. What kind of church are we? What are we going to be like? What are we, we want to be the kind of church that really serves God and people. For that, you have to be the kind of people who really serve God and people. So love God and love people and serve. Amen. Bow with me and let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time in your holy presence. We thank you for all those at Cornerstone that you've already saved, and we pray for others who are going to come to Christ here. 
maybe some in this room right now. And oh, Father, how we pray that by your spirit and by your word, you would draw them to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, may they today bow the knee and confess, Jesus, you are my Lord now, to the glory of God. May they call upon him, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. May they find grace through your shed blood. And Father, many of us have, and you've made us the body of Christ, and we pray that we'd be a busy body of Christ, a serving body of Christ. Would you encourage the hearts of those who serve and serve hard? And we pray that you would also challenge the hearts of those who maybe aren't. Would you put it in their hearts to love you and to love people, to be like Christ and to serve till Jesus comes. For it's in his name that we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.